0: Painstakingly created over the last 15 years, Chris Sullivan's epic debut is a marvel to behold. Employing multiplane cutouts, drawings on paper, and stop motion, all shot on 16mm, Sullivan weaves a psychologically dense chronicle of a crumbling Rust Belt town and intermingles the lives of three lonely souls who work at a local newspaper. Like a vision quest from a mind of a memory haunted insomniac, it tenderly navigates to its ugly characters down paths upon which past fears and longings converge. We're joined today on Film School by the director of Consuming Spirits, Chris Sullivan. Chris, welcome to Film School.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: Well, thank you so much for being here. Um, I have just—it's just its just this is a remarkable film. I'm just going to get this gushing out of the way before we get too far into the interview. Uh, It's really an amazing accomplishment, not only for the undertaking itself, but for story and and plot development and the look of it. Tell me uh, a little bit about the genesis of Consuming Spirits.
1: Sure. Sure. I started working on the film and i had you know been making uh short independent animations and the last one that i made was 25 minutes long mm-hmm. um which was not quite a short and not quite a long but um but then i started working on, on another project and i had i had done one live action figure uh feature um years before that but my mind just kind of was getting a little tired of the 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 short film thing it was almost like something that you know artists inherit this kind of imaginary thing that there are 16, million, 16 minute films out there in the world. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and it actually really opened up you know what I could do as far as a writer and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started the film, I did think that it would be, <clears throat> it would take like six years or something like that, but mm-hmm. well, took, you know, m- more than twice as long as that. But, um, which I don't recommend, because <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it does become a, a, a Trojan horse. You know, I mean, the thing the thing you know works very well for some people and um, and um, has gotten some support. I mean, there are those who dislike it also, but um, but I'm sure if it completely f- fell on its face, it would be very difficult to deal with, yeah. um, and that does happen. But but the um, I guess as as I started building the film. Um, some, something whenever I talk to people uh, and they ask this question, the thing I find interesting is that there are things that change dramatically and there are things that kind of held from the very beginning. Um, um it does have autobiographical roots, but it's completely fictionalized. It aren't really things that I, I dealt with. Mm-hmm. Um, there's alcoholism and there's uh social service. Um, and uh, that's something that's in there, mm-hmm. uh, and foster care too, which is in my family too. But um, but there is a, uh, but it's I grew up in Pittsburgh, but it's a, a much smaller place. It's like you know maybe it would be more more. Uh, I, I think of it as Wheeling, West Virginia, perhaps something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, you
0: mentioned Appalachia, and yeah, in,
1: yes. And I you know I did grow up in Appalachia and kind of you know we had real life hillbillies around and uh, and uh, in hills and and it does give you a different kind of perspective on on your own isolation and your own relationship with, uh, landscape. Um, but as, uh, you know, I, 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 there were things, you know, one thing is that my, the filmmakers that I love aren't, there are animators that I love, but, um, you know, people like, I mean, John Cassavetes is probably, you know, um, my fave, but also Dennis Potter who made the singing detective, um, which is a wonderful piece. And, And in, in these films, there's these, these these awkward and painful normalcies, and that that is kind of something that I wanted to yeah. to, to have in the film is this this sense of people kind of doing uh, being involved in very very odd behaviors but in a calm manner. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, so well, uh, let, let, let's back up a little bit because. Um, the uh, when you said at the at the outset of the interview here that uh, you expected to take five to six years to make this film, did that influence sort of did that become a factor in your mind in terms of just starting to do this film? Did you did you think okay this is going to be a long process, uh, and I'm going to make and, and at what point did it start to expand into uh, a cl- close to a hundred and what are we looking at hundred and thirty minutes thirty minutes. What what was it in that sort of process of starting to put it together? You had a script. Did you start to really expand the scope of this story? Strangely
1: enough, I I, I expanded a few things, but really I I kind of, uh, I wrote a pretty big script. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, in my first cut of the film, you know, which I I didn't even, in some ways I I suspended like not seeing the thing in its length. uh, And I realized this was, like, repression is a big part of my uh, <laughs> my film, but it's a part of the actual process of making this thing. Um, I realized a filmmaker uh, um, who I respect very much told, said, I'm going to watch your film with you, and we're going to turn it on and watch it from beginning to end, all five reels, because editing in reel, you know, like even mm-hmm. I was editing on 16 millimeter originally, but oh, then okay. I was editing in, in uh, Final Cut. But I had to admit that I had never done that in one sitting,
0: Okay. Like, what was his reaction or their reaction?
1: It was her. Their, um, well, we started to realize that it's a film. <laughs> okay. No, I mean, I mean, there were, and,
0: did you tell them? I've never watched it all the way through. Is it, did you say that uh,
1: after it was done? I admitted it. But oh, it was because okay. like, there was something in me. Like, what if I wanted to watch it from head to tail? Mm-hmm. And it is just a complete mess. But it was kind of like <laughs> about halfway through, I realized, wait a second, I think maybe this is a film. So, <laughs> um, and <laughs> and, uh, and then there are there were places. It's almost like there's it's it's there are rapids in the film, and then there are these plateaus where I, where I felt sure like. I know exactly what's happening here, and, and I feel really solid about it. Um, and then this, this walk through the underbrush, I'm not so sure about. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think that's what kept me going, was that there were these these places in the film that, that were working and doing what I, I hoped for them to do. Um, but tying it all together um, was incredibly, incredibly hard, and, and, and it did get tiresome. I, I will... I will. I will admit that there were times in the last, say, four or five years where I would be like, "Why? Why, why can't I wrap this thing up?" You know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I have. I think that you know. I opened in Tribeca, and I got some really great uh, critical support. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tasha Robinson has been a real great supporter of the film. Which for the Onion, and and yeah. then the film, and then that um, film forum. Uh, you know, was wonderful to have. You know, A.O. Scott and yeah. Yeah. Um, and. People from, I basically got four really wonderful reviews. Yeah,
0: Slant did a great write-up on yeah, it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, just, just, and I'm just going to, uh, I'm going to, I, this is the highest compliment that I can pay a, a, a filmmaker, in my, in my opinion. And that is, seeing your film is why I do this show. <laughs> it's why very, I go to good. the movies. Is is Thank you. is for the sense of discovery of something I've never seen Quite anything quite like this film, mm-hmm. and I and I think we owe it to our listeners to sort of backtrack a little bit. It's the story, as we said in the the, the setup. It's a story of these predominantly these three people, mm-hmm. who whose lives are. Uh, it's to say quiet desperation. I think is being a, a little bit optimistic mm-hmm. for some of them, uh, mm-hmm. but it's 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 a story. It's an animated story about them and about their lives and how they do interweave. Uh, over the course of the film, and it's done in different, very wildly different animation styles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I want to ask you a little bit about what influenced you in terms of using these very different styles of animation, and what made, what was your decision process on certain, the use of certain styles within the context of the story? I know that's a big question, but w- w- what, l- let's talk a little bit about your animation style.
1: Um, sure. um um before I did Consuming Spirits, um I, all my films were were just drawn um drawn animation and shot on sixteen and mm-hmm. um, but there were limitations with that, particularly in I was still in the analog world which I'm not in anymore. Um but uh but during this film I definitely you know it's all shot analogue and uh but I couldn't really get a full kind of cinematic um color palette um, with, you know, as an independent animator and, and in terms of what kind of, you know, how long it would take to do the, Mm -hmm. you know, color drawings and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so cutouts became a, a, a way to kind of create this kind of dense, um, visual and color realm. And, um, and there is a, you know, there's a history of wonderful color, um, cutout animators, um, um, jean Francois Languille has an mm-hmm. incredibly weird film called Rowing Across the Atlantic. You mm-hmm. can find it on YouTube. Um, but also um, uh, Yuri Norstein, the Russian animator, um, and there are things in their films that are, you know, these amazing visions with cutouts. You have to, you don't have the same. Um, people do not fall into, into disbelief the same way they do with a drawn animation mm-hmm. or even like a CGI animation. You're very—it's like a marionette show. You're—you're you're aware. You can definitely fall into it, but you're aware that it is—you know—that it's an artifice, and that's something that you know has its pluses and minuses. But it was something that I knew I'd have to accept if I used that technique. Um, and there are times when you know it—the the characters, you know. Um, do move and in gesture in, in ways that are really, you know, subtle and uh, mm-hmm. feels really good when that works. Yeah. Um, the, the drawing stuff was there's still things that I love about drawing and my new feature I'm working on is uh, is going to be drawn drawings and um, composited over um, sets and drawings and there's going to be live action people in it also. But um, <clears throat> but the drawings do create this kind of more liquid space that I can play with. Mm-hmm. and I like and they represent you know the 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 past of the characters um and so they're also thinned out you know they're almost like they're like xeroxes of them yeah um so um and that wispiness is something that um i mean some kind of classical animators have had difficulty with it which is an interesting thing this is this isn't a film that's really been championed by you know by animators um it's really been live action filmmakers it, just recently some animation festivals have actually been uh, picking up on it and Chris Robinson who runs uh, Ottawa has been a big supporter of the film for quite a while.
0: Right. Well so, speak, speaking of support you're going to be at the CineFamily Theater yeah. which is in Los Angeles uh, starting tomorrow well tonight actually Friday night <laughs> and yeah. and uh, and Saturday night and uh, the CineFamily is just an incredible uh, uh, haven for people who love movies and I'm thrilled that you're going to be, uh, be there in person um, tomorrow night what time I mean tonight what time sorry
1: it's um it's 8 tonight yeah. and then it's uh 7:30 tomorrow. Um yeah, and I'll be give a little intro and then I will do Q&A and there's also um a gallery um very close by is also running a uh uh boy, suddenly I'm spacing out on the name.
0: Synchronicity Space. Yeah,
1: Synchronicity Space. <laughs> Thank you. Um is actually going to show um one of the some of the a few of the models and uh wow. still photographs with captions from Consuming Spirits and from my new film, too. Um, so that's going to be kind of like the little after-party thing. But it'll be like a John Cassavetes movie, because I won't have brought anything to drink. Maybe someone will. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, that's, tom- that's tonight at 8 o'clock, and then tomorrow night yeah. you'll be there for the 745 showing, is it? Do I have that right? Yeah, Screening yeah. is... Yeah. Oh, 7:45. Right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, that's okay. Uh, and I uh, I can't wait to to meet you and this the after party thing sounds really cool. I'm going to have to <laughs> have, have yeah. to force my way into that. Now, um, by the way, and I, the reason I was asking about the animation the, the different mm-hmm. types and techniques of animation, it, it it for me watching the film, it also in addition to visually very interesting, but it also in some way, in my mind, gave the characters an even more three dimensional uh, mm. feel. Yeah, I don't I, I know. It's sort of a psychological Jungian thing about the, about it, but it it, it really felt uh, it helped in, in, enhance and and add to the depth of their characters and of their stories. And I'm just going to single out one scene in particular. There's so many. I mean, it's really really remarkable how many pieces of this you could pull out and just look at for a long time. And it really bears seeing more than once. It truly does. Um, but the, uh, the scene where they go to the trailer, it's, it's the charcoal drawing of them going to the trailer to, to get this, the kids. Mm-hmm. And, and when, when they are handing over and they're signing the documents, it's such a haunting image. I just I it's just a, such a beautiful and yet si- simple, beautiful and tells so much about sort of a harbinger of of, of the stories to come. Um, mm-hmm. Just beautiful. I, I just had to say that. I'm, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about, you know, in, in terms of, again, going back to this 15 year process of, of putting this film together. Um I, I, did did you, as a person, change dramatically enough to impact the development of this story over this period of time that you were working to put this together? What impact did your as a development as a as a person have on this film? Well, that's a, that's a good
1: question. I mean, I, I did I, I raised kids during it, which is probably the most you know yeah. um, interesting and curious thing. I definitely wasn't one of those people. I mean, I love being a father, and um, you know, still do and but it didn't transform me into someone else. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't become kind of like a Stepford dad or whatever. As soon as that happens to people, they're just like, I have no, I'm just a father now, or I'm just a mother. But um, <laughs> but I uh, I mean, but I was very interactive, but I knew that because of my my up, upbringing and things, I did always have like this, that I wanted to protect them. I wanted to, you know, we had a big yard and me and my ex-wife, we, you know, we we basically had a giant haven that they lived in, yeah. um, and uh, and they didn't really go out to the swing. And it wasn't it wasn't because we, it's just that we tried to provide everything. But somewhere in there is is this kind of sense of like you know, I must keep you from going out in the world where the world will hurt you. you know? Right. Right. Um, um, but uh, but but I definitely did you know change. I mean there um there are things that end up being somewhat prophetic in the, in the film that, that you know are in my life yeah. um but there are also things that are uh you know the as you know my my mother is now 92 huh. um but she had a pretty strong health crisis in 2004 um and so there was this sense of the sense of uh of this kind of guilt of euthanasia, which comes in enters in the film a few times, you know, this idea of, you know, can can death be a release as well as, like, a sad thing? Um, uh, That's something that I remember having, like, having this sense of guilt, like, you know, well, you know... When you know, if, if Mom passes away, then we can't dis- disappoint each other anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know. Yeah. And of
1: course, I'll miss her. I love her, but but that weird other other little place that that my mind mind would go. Um, I do think that you know, starting something in your late 30s as opposed to starting it, like if I start something when I was 20 and then I'm 35, I'm sure I would be a vastly different person. Mm-hmm. I am a different person, but not, you know. Not as different, uh, but but you know the main thing is that, that that's curious. You know the little children's voices you hear in the film are now you know in their twenties.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that was so. another thing I wanted to talk to you about uh, as well is the voices and the music. Is is the, there's some haunting and beautiful music in here, and it's an important part of the film. Yeah. Um, it really it kind of not only does it sort of further the storylines in a couple of instances, but it also uh, it it uh, there's a th- just the sense of the film uh, as well. Tell me a little bit about the group you work with on this. Um, yeah.
1: they, so, <clears throat> the prim- primarily it's me, but then uh, so I'm doing piano and harp and guitar. But the the vocals are all done by the various characters. So and and the actual actors all are playing their part. Um, the Shenandoah song was, um, sung by, um, Phoebe Thatcher, um, who was, uh, a, a friend of my daughter's and, um, Jeez. and, but, the uh, the characters sing the songs that they, you know, that they're in, but, but musically, you know, I've, I've um, uh, I've been really interested. Oh, sorry. Violin is, uh, my daughter, Carmen and Monty McCollum also. Yeah. Um, but the uh, musically i I was always fascinated by these these kind of immigrant songs that seem to end in you know disaster or yeah <laughs> or um but it's all but i I think that the 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 song idea has is like entered into my new film too and I think the thing that I find interesting is you hear some sort of song about someone who who goes to a strange place and gives their life to this job and then dies and you think, oh wow, what a weird, medieval thing, but it's really very similar to almost all of our lives. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so it's... And that's something I'm very interested in, is this idea of, um, you know, we all do kind of somehow manage to piddle our lives away a little bit. Not that we don't enjoy it and there aren't wonderful things in it, but, you know, but but time runs out, I think, on everyone, you know. Yeah. And and that's something that I kind of have compassion for. And, And I don't think I'm really being... It's not so much a thing. It is, it is a compassion. It's not so much a critical thing about, you know, the ways that people live. It's just...
0: Well, well I think, I think the, the sooner that we realize it and, and act on it, it will have a tremendous impact on our lives, knowing yeah. that time does run out it yeah. It's a hard lesson to learn, and sometimes it takes the death of a parent in which is in my case um yeah. just speaking personally here for a second but to realize that uh you know that we do not have as long as we think we have here and uh, and it does change your it changes your hopefully it changes you for uh for a better purpose if if that yeah. makes sense but um um, yeah, it's just... Now, you voiced uh, which of the, the characters?
1: So I'm I'm Victor Blue. Right. And then uh, Earl Grey is uh, Bob Levy, who's a photographer friend of mine who is always making weird little voices and stuff. And <laughs> first time we got together and did a recording, uh, it was... And this is something that was really nice. It really suddenly opened... I, I kind of knew who I was writing for, and, and writing his parts was really fun. Um, it's really funny. One thing that's a curious thing about the film is so far, it doesn't it doesn't translate as well in places where you might think it would. As far as people who can kind of accept it, but um, because Earl Grey's speaking in this weird poetic, odd way, if like I recently had my brother, I worked closely with him, and I I sub he subtitled it in French. So I've had two French screen um, screenings. And some of the French people said, "Doesn't really sound like someone who is a native French speaker." And yeah. I realized, "Oh wait a second, they." <laughs> Neither does Earl Grey doesn't sound like a native English speaker. So, I mean, so my brother was working to try to bring some of that archaicness to the voice. But of yeah. course, people would just think it's wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Um,
0: well, but, uh... what's interesting, and, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I mean, the characters' names—the three main characters—are Earl Grey, Gentian.
1: Uh, yeah Genshin violet
0: gentian violet and victor blue so obviously all with the last names that are colors somewhat yeah. are descriptive of of uh their personalities in some ways but w- what in it in a in a you know earl gray sounds like a an old uh uh newsman or a newscaster from yeah. the the 40s or something or the 50s right to me um but what i what is so Again, another. by the way, we're speaking with uh, Chris Sullivan, the director, writer, uh, everything, um, animator of this film, amazing film called Consuming Spirits, which uh, which Chris will be at the screenings for the first two nights at uh, CineFamily, starting tonight, Friday night, and also tomorrow night, Saturday night. It's the 8 o'clock show tonight, tomorrow night at 745. Sure. A- after party tonight at the uh, CineFamily, uh, you can follow it over to uh, the synchronicity um for uh, for an after party as well, so get up there and see it, darn it! Um, but uh, and it runs till the eighteenth too. So. Oh yes, and it runs all. Thank you through the eighteenth of the yeah. of the week. Now, um, again, in, in addition to this uh, remarkable style that you bring to the uh, animation side of it, the dialogue is just wonderful. It sounds very r- real, like people actually talk to one another, but just a a, a bit heightened for for the purposes mm-hmm. of the story. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, the dialogue. Now, how long did it take for you to sort of refine it to the point where you were comfortable with with the uh, with the dialogue of the film?
1: Well, I wrote. You know, I, I wrote the dialogue and I and I altered and changed things and and it, it it's, it's curious because certain. Um, I think in the early writing, I was it was almost like I was into the vernacular more than I I didn't really trust it uh-huh. really being able to convey meaning, and then the more I started to write the more I realized that through these kind of missteps is I mean I mean the people are always kind of saying the wrong thing mm-hmm. and um, did you things,
0: did you workshop this dialogue? Did you have did you were you reading it out we before?
1: Would, I, we didn't very much. People okay. would but, but we would do a read through and we didn't and then we would just see how something's going. But for the most part, I mean the reality is that you know we would do it a four hour audio shoot and then I would have you know, two years of stuff to animate. <laughs> so it was kind of a I was really funny like the uh you know, the uh, the coffee clutch where they're they are they first talking about yeah. um adopting the kids. You know, yeah. that was that was just a pleasant afternoon where everyone sat around the table and um and there were a few of the um conversations were constructed because the performers were in different places. But usually I would have the performers together. Okay. Um and um you know, because of the animation, they they could have a script if they needed to in their hand. And, yeah. and that worked differently for different people. Some people could use a script, and some people had to, you know, look at it and then, um, you know, say their lines. Um, but I, but Nancy Andrews, who is uh, uh gentian violet, she's a wonderful performance artist. And and, um, yeah. and get on her Kickstarter fund, Anyone, anyway, Nancy Andrews. Look her up. Okay. Um, Nancy
0: Andrews, okay. <laughs> she's
1: working on a feature. Um, but... Um, uh, but but it was, the thing that's nice is both her and Bob and Chris Harris, who's the the newspaper boss. I mean, there are filmmakers oh, yeah. and artists, yeah. so I would I would be able to give them these things, and they wouldn't say like, "What is this?" They'd go, "Okay, I get it." Yeah. Or if they were confused, they're confused in interesting ways, and um, so that was the thing. I was working with people who are all, who kind of already had like a weird, you know taste for odd language so yeah. um so well, and it nice to have that work
0: well the dialogue sounds at ad- ad-libbed in a good way in the sense mm-hmm. of it's directed it's 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 focused but it just sounds so very natural and uh, again uh, just there's there's so much uh, uh t- of uh there's so much going on in addition um to the dialogue and the animation that i i've watching the film I had the, the I had the ability to stop and look at certain things in frames and frames and there's a lot in this film. There's just so much uh in the background and in the animation, just just very it's a very dense film, uh visually and also psychologically because these people are playing out very real and that's another thing is it's, it's a kind of uh emotional resonance because you're dealing uh with issues that we talked about earlier. That are day to day real life issues uh, and and it, I just I can't tell you how how watching this, I felt like even though i'm watching animation, I felt very much uh, of uh, the sense of, of i don 't say documentary, but I just mm-hmm. felt like I was watching a, a real a, a live action. You referred to it earlier as this sort of mm-hmm. a lot of live action um, directors have responded uh, positively to the film, and I completely understand why. It has that feel, definitely.
1: Well, there is. I mean, one thing that I I will I have to admit has been an interesting, you know, thing in my favor is, it's it's often good to to do something in the wrong place, you know. Like if if you're at a bar and then some a classical. I was one time at a a jazz bar and the guy said, "Now we're going to have a guest come up here and play for us," and it was Rachel Barton, uh, you know, who's a classical. And so, having a classical violinist play in yeah. a jazz bar. Is really interesting. So, yeah. so having, but the the fact that I've been, you know, in in festivals or places where I was run, whether it's film form or whether it's in a family, it's primarily, you know, you know live action narratives. Yeah. And then suddenly it's like, what's this thing? What's this weird thing? Yeah. And so it is nice to, you know, having the film always be in the wrong place <laughs> has been helpful because it is kind of like this weird thing that shows up, you know, it's like the, you know, the person that has a little, you know, pot pig in their backyard or whatever. <laughs> and, um, but it, but it is, so people come in and they really don't know quite what's hitting them. And that's, especially if they're expecting it to be like, you know, a, um, a simple plot animation, you know, and, um, yeah. you know, um, which it definitely isn't, but, but I do think that, you know, uh, people have been really, you know, for the most part, have been really generous with the film in terms of, you know, Saying basically, there's there's always this point. Most people say there's some point in the film when people say, "Okay, I'm in."
0: Yeah, I had that. <laughs> yeah, I, I okay, Chris, I had that same uh, same thing. Watching it, it was just it's a, it's such a jarring, initially jarring, and in, in that, I'm trying to think of another film that this even looks like, and I can't recall the cutout. Uh, you mentioned some uh, some films, but I haven't seen those. And and so it takes a little bit of a, a few minutes to get used to this style that you. But then, but then the characters take over. The the the, the, the involving plot, the people. You're interested in what, what's going to happen, and it pulls you. And you're right. You have that moment. Okay, I'm in. I'm I'm good now. And <laughs> uh, and uh, and definitely, just real off, kind of off the beaten path. Question here: mm-hmm. um, w- Were you a fan of Quasi at the Quackadero? Was that something that you? Uh, I re-
1: I remember quasi at the Quarkadero, and I I do think um, my favorite scene in it is definitely the uh, the the weird show. Yeah. The, uh, the, the you know, come on, you guys, you're <laughs> gonna go and put a, <laughs> go earn your keep for God's sake with a little devil coming out of his yeah back pocket. yeah. Um, I I
0: just felt I yeah. would I felt a little quasi when I was mean, watching the movie, and I just was kind of curious whether you that even mattered. Okay. <laughs> Uh well wonderful. I I I unfortunately I just I'm kind of running out of time with you and sure. I I'm and I can, can when I see you I want to tell you again how much th- these are the kind of movies that uh that really matter to me personally and one of the reasons that I love to be able to do film school uh is because of this and uh, I might try to give you a hug tomorrow night when I see you but that, that sounds excellent. <laughs> and uh, yeah and uh, and
1: one thing I will say is that um the film is for People of all ages, yeah. I'd say above twelve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And uh, I, I was describe once as mature themes and brief nudity, which I, it was fun <laughs> to see. That it's so <laughs> um, a
0: little, but, bit. Uh,
1: but but it is interesting. I have I've actually had teenagers um, really get into the film and stuff, and 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 Good. And, 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 and older folks too, and we, people my age. I'm like really young. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm middle age, but um. Well. But it's, I,
0: yeah. yeah no it it it, it does credit across quality is quality people are drawn to things that that are done uh this well and and uh it's it is a testament and I'm thank thankfully I I know it's 15 years of your life I know it must have felt like you were climbing up a an insom an insurmountable hill at at points but uh well worth it, and I, I. Now you're working on something uh, coming up, right? You've got something in the works.
1: Something. Yeah, I got a new a new feature film. Um, its name um, it's either going to be called the Orbit of Minor satellites, or okay. but I've lately been wanting to call it misery chord, but I've been running that past people, and I've seems like I'm the only one that knows what it is. <laughs> okay. So I should stop. Um, no. But, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's a it's a it's a, it's another strange um, odd film. It'll be a little bit more homogenous visually mm-hmm. um, than Consuming Spirits, but um, but it still will have a lot of real oddness in it. Oh, no. And uh, oh, no. one of my favorite characters in it is a. Uh, there's a, a a giant buffalo in it. Okay. I'm enjoying him, and uh, so it's good. And uh,
0: well,
1: so I, I hope that I uh, hope that all the USC's and UCLA's and Tellarts and yeah. wherever else come come throng to the theater, and I, I promise you won't be disappointed.
0: Uh, I, I I completely concur. It's uh it really and the reviews again. I mean, we could run through these reviews for the rest of the the night. They're just spectacular uh, in terms of their praise of the film uh and and again well deserved. It's uh it's not quite like anything you've seen uh and it's remarkable and it's breadth and its depth and, and visual um tapestry that it, it weaves. It's it's uh it's wonderful. It's consuming spirits. And we've been speaking with the producer, writer, director, voiceover, animator, whatever, everything in, uh imaginable in terms of consuming spirits and Chris uh Christopher or Chris Sullivan yeah. Thank you so much for being here on Film School. And thank you. Take
1: care. Take care.
0: You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.